Confidential Podcast. Is this thing on? <laughs> Chef Daniel, welcome to Neon Confidential Podcast. Um, but for real, tell us your coffee order from Starbucks. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's really early. Yeah, um, it is. So we both have our Starbucks. We were talking about it before. Yeah. So uh, morning routine at mm-hmm. Starbucks. Yep. Um, just black. You just That's have just, black coffee. Just black coffee with a touch of sugar. Sugar. What That's a guy. It. What That's a it. man. Yeah. Okay. Most people to me that are going to listen to this already know who you are because of my Instagram stories. <laughs> Pretty much. You basically have an entire fan club. But for those of you who don't know. Thanks to you. Yes. Yes. Thanks to you. Uh, chef Daniel Ontiveros is the executive chef at Carver Steak. And he's a former executive chef at Scotch 80 Prime at the Palms and T-Bones Chop House at Red Rock. Graduated from Le Cordon Bleu. And you've previously worked under chefs David Myers, Michael Mina, Thomas Keller, and Joel Robichon. So (laughs) tell us about like, I guess, take us way back into like how you started getting into like culinary arts and why you decided to be a chef, even if it's like the story is like when you were five or something. When I was five. Gotcha. (laughs) No, I think um, it all started when I was a kid. Um, Obviously, cooking in our family was just like any other family um, Mm -hmm. is where a lot of the memories are made. And um you know, getting together on the weekends with the family, cooking Saturdays and Sundays was just kind of a tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what inspired me to cook was one, some of my family members who were really good cooks and just the family memories that we shared and created. Um, do you have a big family? I do have a big family mm-hmm. um, back home, Texas. And I just knew at a very young age that I wanted to cook. I remember taking a test like sixth grade I think fifth grade even Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a one of those I don't remember what it was but it was a test to basically determine what field or what you would be doing when you grew up yeah and I took it twice and both times it came out that I was going to be a chef no way yeah what um so as the years went on and you know continue to cook um I mean my first job when I was 16 was at a McDonald's I mean no way let's just start there right Mm mm-hmm um wow yeah so i was you come a long way (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i can still flip a mean patty but (laughs) no it's just a wagyu patty no it's just like hundred dollar steaks got it it's just hundred dollar steaks versus you know the other 50 cent patties yeah so um you know we started off like that and then as it as i got into high school i was um, in home economics class i was the only guy in home economics class so i learned how to sell learn how to do all this stuff right um, you know, people were like, oh, you, you're, you're this, you can say gay. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Cause I remember that too. We had like two guys in our home ec class in Texas or in, in Houston where I grew up and everybody like teased them, but it's like those guys were going on dates with all the girls in the home ec class. And we thought it was just like really hot because these guys wanted to know these like feminine things like, yeah, sewing. And well, I mean, let's just be honest. That's cooking. really the only, you know, <laughs> the more I was made fun of like, oh, you're, you're a wrestler. You're this, you're, you know, you're, and you're, you're and sewing. Ec. I'm like, well, I mean, what know, are you going to do when you're tear. like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> things tear. Exactly. People got to eat and things tear. I mean, you know, <laughs> makes sense to me. Um, but, you know, I think doing home economics was kind of like where I really was inspired, you know, mm-hmm. just by, by, by cooking mm-hmm. and 
you know, once I graduated high school, I went to the University of Texas mm-hmm. uh, at El Paso. Mm-hmm. And I was there for about two years. And one day I was like, you know what? This is not what I want to do. Yeah. And I just, I literally sold all my shit and moved to Austin, which is where I went to culinary school. Mm-hmm. I went to Le Cordon Bleu. I feel like a lot of people don't have that, like, like reckoning either like they'll just do something and just get their degree you know and it, they end up not even using their their degree so mm-hmm. it's cool that after two years you were like actually this is not the path for me you know yeah I mean you know I think for me the time that it hit me when I was at the university was and and the classes that I was taking that I signed up for was like an acting class a jazz and music class I was taking a bunch of just cool. random classes to because uh, you know, to stay away from math and other things like that. Cause I was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one day I was just sitting there and there, you know, we were taught, we were in a discussion and they said, well, what, what do you want to do? Like, what do you, where do you want to be at in five years from now? And like was, your counselor or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, not here. And then that's when I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gone. So it's like it, someone hit you over the head with a frying pan. You for, saw all the Tweety birds and you're like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Yeah, pretty much. And so, you know, like I said, a week later, I was, I was on my way to Austin mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that's where I went to culinary school in Austin. Do you feel like there's like a lot of distractions in Austin? I already know the answer. To this. There is, there is. I mean, look, I, some of my best friends were going to the university of Texas, you know, mm-hmm. UT Austin. Um, I base and I was going to Le Cordon Bleu Culinary School, which was down, you know, what five miles away, ten miles away from the university. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived at the dorms for probably a good almost year, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even going to school. <laughs> so <laughs> you're just living in the dorms. I was living at the dorms with my friends. Oh my god! Going to school at a different school, you know. Uh, Did you work while you were in? school i've always worked mm-hmm. always worked while i was going to school um like i said you know when i was in high school my mm-hmm. first job uh was at a mcdonald's so i've always gone to school and always worked while doing that so there's like i feel like there's a lot of chefs but not a lot of chefs have worked under people like michael mina and joel robichon how did that happen for you well so after going to culinary school when i was going to do my internship um, i had two job offers one was to go work on a disney cruise Wow. Um, and the other one was to come out to Las Vegas mm-hmm. uh, to work at Bouchon. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I had no clue who Thomas Keller was. I didn't know what I was doing. I just saw, oh, they want me to go to Disney and work on a cruise ship. Oh, you see this massive cruise ship. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that seems really cool, right? You can just continue the partying streak. Correct. I've heard about people that work on cruise ships. Yeah. So, um, but other than that... Uh, you know, one of my, my chef instructors was like, you don't want to go to Disney. He's no. like, you, you need to go here. And I was like, well, what is this? So I started kind of doing a little research on Thomas and mm-hmm. Napa, French Laundry, Bouchon, this and that. And I was like, okay, well, this is something I could do. So again, um, signed up for that, sold everything I had in Austin for gas money. Round two. Yeah, <laughs> basically around. El Paso to Austin, Austin to Vegas. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, and at the time, obviously, there was no smartphone. I didn't have a smartphone. It was just a map. Yep. Oh, my God. Um, and I sold, I sold everything for gas money, and whatever fit in my car came with me, and, and that was it. I drove from Austin to, to Las Vegas. I feel like everybody on the planet should live in a different state than where they were born. 
I've, you, yeah right I agree because I feel like that's what gets you out of your comfort zone so a lot of people too like when I moved from Cyprus Texas to Vegas I'd never been here before in my life had you been to Vegas before you moved never, here I didn't ha- I didn't know anybody yeah had never been here no family I didn't even know how to get here I like I said with map a map quest. <laughs> with a map and I think I had printed a gr- out map I, I think I maybe had a Garmin remember those oh like yeah that, yeah like, yeah you know, they like attached to the car. Yeah, like my windshield, like sticky windshield. You know, <laughs> the millennials the that are listening to this, like, are like, what? <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? Um, but yeah, no, I uh, that that's how that happened. That's how I moved out here. Um, but I, I think that you have to be out of your comfort zone in order to grow. Yeah, I mean, that's just in my opinion. That's where I've gotten to where I'm at today. So, what are the people like? I mean, because we were just discussing this, you're clearly not very active on social media. <laughs> But but I do that for you basically, and so when people from like El Paso see you now, or do you like ever go back home and talk to people and they're like, "Wow, you did it! You made it!" Like it's so weird, like the juxtaposition between growing up in a small town and people seeing your life now. Yeah, like do people like comment on that or anything? Well, it's been a while since I've been back to El Paso, uh, years. Mm -hmm. But you know, just in regards to like the post that. over the weekend over this last week i know we should probably take a second and talk about like why we're so like zonked out right now <laughs> yeah it was a big weekend for us it was um, a big weekend carver steak had like 500 covers for like the second weekend in a row yeah we had we had massive amount of covers a lot of vip guests um a lot going on in general on the property which mm-hmm. drove a lot of those guests into carver steak obviously mm-hmm. um and then we had the gronk family reunion yeah um <laughs> dinner that we had so that was that was really cool yeah so y'all Gronk came into Carver Steak he's like retired which I didn't even know he was retired that's like a terrible football fan of me but um but yeah he came into Carver Steak this weekend his reservation was at nine o'clock so like I got there at eight thirty, and I think that was like when you're in the thick of all the reservations and that was the first time that we walked into the kitchen and you almost like didn't even notice I was there yeah you caught because, me yelling at somebody oh that was so yeah, funny but. can we talk about that because I, I was telling Chris on the way over here, like what happened? Because I have a video of Angela. She's a she's a pastry chef at Carver Steak, and she's like going like this because I got her on camera. Because so here's what it's hectic in the kitchen, and I feel yeah. like you're normally like upbeat and and whatever all the time. But so at this point, a server came in. I knew who it was. I'm not going to say yeah. his name. But he came in and he was trying to tell us that Gronk was there. But like I'd already come in and told you when he was coming because. I have to be ready. So we, basically, you imprinted Gronk's name on a tomahawk. I'm just saying so yeah. everybody <laughs> who's listening. Uh, and so anyway, this server comes in and it's like hectic. The kitchen's like firing. Everything's crazy. And uh, you, this guy like said, Gronk's going to be here, whatever. And and then you were just in the zone. So you just kept going. And he thought that you couldn't hear him, even though you <laughs> did. So he this guy literally makes like a megaphone. <laughs> And he's just hollering the same sentence like three times because he, th- he thought yeah. you didn't hear. And he's standing like two feet away from me, like basically <laughs> screaming in my ear. And you're like, shut up. I heard you. And he's like, oh, my God. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's one way to push the button. Scurried off. Uh, that was funny. I mean, I think everybody was like laughing because no one's ever heard you yell yeah, before. And, and that's the thing is, you know, for me as a leader um, and somewhat of a mentor i would like to think mm-hmm. uh, you know you have to be calm and collected 
most totally. of the time or if not all the time you know i think i think that's how leaders should be yeah um i feel like when you start to get a little crazy like unraveled yeah i think that's when things start to come on you know they start to unwind totally um, like come unglued that's what everyone that's totally right yeah like even I mean, if i'm stressed out and i come into the office i try to really protect my girls from like seeing yeah because it, it, it puts everybody under that same i mean it's like you know just in, in anything in general um you know you, you military whatever you you know those guys aren't going into battle with somebody who's all frazzled out. yeah you know that's you you're not gonna follow somebody like that yeah you know so so back to what with gronk so i think we got there and it was like eight fifteen because we thought he was arriving at nine and like this is such a vegas thing but like every single celebrity that comes in is always late every single time yeah. Every time. Every time. So what do I do is I go to the bar because I like ha- don't have anything well, I mean, to do. What, what else would you do? <laughs> of right? course. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm having my, my, what is my drink that I love to have? The um, Nagorni Bianco. Mm, that's a good one. So I'm like, I think I'm on my like second one of those. I also just learned a new word. It's called sozzled. Have you ever heard the word sozzled? Sozzled. It means like when a woman gets drunk. No. Which I think is hilarious. Is it like sloshed? I think so. Sozzled. I heard it on a podcast and I was like, I definitely got sozzled this weekend. <laughs> so. that, uh, that could go one of two ways, but <laughs> I just, I'd be careful. I mean, whatever. I, I got sozzled, okay, at the bar. So there I am getting all freaking sozzled and then Gronk comes in and we like got this killer video, which by the way, have you, well, since you don't look at TikTok, I will let you know. Okay. The TikToks, I think at like 11,000 views, and I think the Instagram videos at more. But I basically had to get you doing the tomahawk, bringing it out to the table, chopping it, slicing it. And I also feel like he was a lot more animated than most people when we do that. You know, he was like into it. He was into it. I mean, from just when he stood up to, to come and, you know, shake my hand and do the whole thing, and he was he's like wow is that the knife that's cool knife and then that's when he was like the karate chop yeah the karate chop to the tomahawk and i was just trying to make sure like nobody lost a finger well that he was like butchering it too because you like yeah, he cut it right down the middle and i was like i was like this is your but you know your steak like, bro the, the chef part of me was like what the hell are you doing <laughs> to this tomahawk and then the other part is like well you're paying for it so he oh this is the other funny thing that i feel like other people will be interested so that's what this server was panicking about because we had to have like 20 there's like 16 people in his party mm-hmm. so they needed like a 20 espresso martinis and you know how they like printed on top of the foam it said like grong's family reunion whatever yeah so when they were doing the toast because i was sitting outside like right there on the bar because i'd been waiting for them for like two hours um they all chugged them <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> I was like looking at Stephanie and I'm like, what is happening? And she's like, well, sometimes people order it like a shot. And I'm like, but it's not. It's like in it's, a really nice martini I mean, glass. that's a, that's a huge shot. That, that martini glass is... They were there to party yeah. like 100%. So they just like slammed these espresso martinis that were like, it takes me an hour, like an hour to sip one and they just slammed them. Yeah, they, they, they definitely were there to party and have a good time, which they were. So, totally. Yeah. <laughs> We also bumped into them in the resort at a different spot, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was a long night for sure. It was a long day, long weekend, but very, yep. very fun. Okay. So who's the most famous person that you've cooked for? The most famous person. Yeah. Or is there somebody that you like, even if it's somebody that you met, were you like, were a fangirl or something? Fangirl. <laughs> um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Alain Duca- Chef Alain Ducasse, who's one of the oh, yeah. most famous Michelin star chefs, was in for 
egg harvest steak for dinner. Him and his uh, executive chef team. Did you, and you knew they were coming in. We knew they were coming in. Um, he took a tour of the kitchen. He signed my book. You know, it was it was actually really nice to. He he was very appreciative of the food, the quality. I mean, you're cooking for somebody who's got Michelin star, uh, you know, restaurants, and for them to be that humble and excited to to eat at Carver Steak, it was it was kind of an honor. Can you explain for people because even as a publicist, like I represent a few Michelin starred chefs, how does the Michelin star system work? Do you are you familiar with this? Like, how, like what happens? Someone just comes into your restaurant, and decides whether or not you get a Michelin star, or is it like the chef in particular? Or are you like I don't even know the process for that. No, well, I mean Michelin hasn't come to Vegas in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. Um, that's really weird because I feel like this is where this is a city where all the celebrity chefs come to open up their own concept. Yeah, but I think there's it it, and, and I don't know the whole details, but I know that there's a lot of different criteria that you have to meet to even get a one star Michelin. Um, you hmm. know, and then is um, it the chef that gets it or the restaurant? The re- or it could be either one. The restaurant, uh-huh. the restaurant. But uh-huh. the criteria, I mean, like from the moment you walk into the ambiance, the cleanliness, the the decor. Um, Huh. service you know let's start with that level of service um you know steps of service and then obviously the food and presentation the if you get up from your chair they fold your napkin they put it down the mm. tablecloth you know if there's tablecloth um it's got to be ironed out like just all the small details it's like um, very meticulous very meticulous yeah and then um, i feel like harvard could totally get a michelin star i do i hope so but I, it's just weird that they don't come to Vegas, though. Like, yeah, how do you do they, that? Do you, like, request it? No. I, I, I Honestly, I'm not sure. 100%. They just show up and, like, surprise you? I'm going to find out. Tell us, too, because I feel like uh, people ask this, but, like, what? how would you say, you like, the perfect steak? If somebody was, like, listening at home and they are like, what is the secret to doing a perfect steak? The secret to a perfect steak? Uh, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I would let the steak you know, come to room temperature for about 30 minutes. Okay. You know, um, cause I've what, never done that in my life. Yeah. Cause what you don't want is you don't want the, uh, steak from the fridge mm-hmm. right to like, let's say a pan, a flat top or a grill or something like that. Right. Because two things like the outside will get really overdone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be raw cold in the inside. Mm-hmm. So by letting the steak come up to room temperature, Basically, now the whole entire steak will cook more even. Got evenly. it. Makes sense. So as Science. opposed to it's cold and you're just <laughs> searing, getting it really charred on the outside, but the inside's raw. Right. You know, or you have this like gray ring around it and then like the center is like pink or whatever. Um, it's just, it's better for you to let your steak come to room temperature. That's why you have rooms. them all on the side of the kitchen. Yeah. Like so, ch- chilling. Yeah. So we have them all sitting out. Um, not all, but we have you know, what we need for the night. And then we just kind of go through a rotation as we deplete one steak, we pull more out. Mm-hmm. Um, and one it's, it allows for even cooking, but mm-hmm. two, it cooks faster. Okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of why we do that. Um, step two, but step two, um, you know, if it was me cooking, let's say at home mm-hmm. or even at Carver steak, mm-hmm. um, we season with a little bit of, uh, olive oil mm-hmm. um and then we hit it with just salt and cracked black pepper that's that's it um the i've heard that from a few chefs that like you don't need a ton of seasoning you like let the steak do the talking yeah and... i mean a lot of people a lot of chefs a lot of 
people in general like to do like a rub or you know a spice blend of some sort but honestly i think with good quality meat let this let the meat speak for itself and where do you guys let, get your let the meat speak let the meat speak and where do you guys get your steaks from uh we get from different purveyors uh we get uh stuff from pet lafredo out of new jersey mm-hmm. um we get some of our dry age um from flannery beef out of san francisco um the Dakota, like North Dakota. Did um, you choose them? I did. Okay. Yeah, Snake River Farms we get. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's Snake River Farms again? Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, so. A lot of people, like, when we post, if, like, especially if the steak's, like, raw, like the tomahawk chop, I think um, Pat LaFrida retweeted it or whatever. The, <laughs> Reposted it. This weekend? Uh-huh. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He, oh, that's He, cool. like, commented and he shared. That's the other... I mean, that's why those posts go so viral because people see it and they share it. Um, and so that was one of them that did it. Yeah, so the guy who... He actually reached out to me yesterday mm-hmm. um, and asked about, you know, the Gronk-like his Did he like it? <laughs> and I said, yeah. So I sent him the picture and he says, oh, can I can I post? And I said, yeah, but just make sure you tag. Yeah, tag us. You, I'll keep, I, you, yeah, you get it. Getting, you get it. Okay, step, so we keep getting this off track. Step two. Step two. With salt and pepper. S- yeah, season uh, olive oil, salt, pepper, and then just sear it on both sides, get a nice crust going, um, and then put it in the either the broiler or a cast iron pan of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends, timing is going to depend whether, you know, how thick your steak is or the you know how done you like it mm-hmm. um but basically what i like to do is once we sear it i like to brush it with some kind of butter whether you know at carver steak we do a red wine shallot butter mm-hmm. um at home i have different types of butters that i like to brush my meat with mm-hmm. <laughs> see br- there you were brushing your meat <laughs> but i was uh, yeah so um once you you know you brush the meat during the cooking process um and then you want to always let it let it rest for mm-hmm. let's say five minutes or so just to kind of allow the juices to kind of you know relax the meat to relax um because if not if you if you go straight from a grill or a pan whatever it is and you cut it it's going to bleed out everywhere so you kind of want some time for your steak to rest and then you finish it with some sea salt do you grill your steak at home at home yes you do I, yeah so okay. i think it's just so weird that like people go to restaurants and there's not grills there's yeah. no grills. <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of restaurant it is, but there, there's, you know, I've worked on wood fired. We've worked on the, obviously at Carver Steak, we have broilers, mm-hmm. um, but it's still, you know, the broiler is there for, um, it's, it gets up to like 900, just over 900 degrees. So mm-hmm. it creates like a nice crust, a nice sear on the outside, which is what people love. You know, they want yeah. that crust on the outside, mm-hmm. juicy tenders, uh, in the, in the middle. Um, I know sometimes home, on our phones, we have our phones or our camera equipment back there. There's like this weird, it's going to melt. Yeah, yeah. It gets so freaking hot when we're standing back there and you guys are back there the entire day. So I can't imagine. Oh yeah. I've it's lost like, a couple of phones just from keeping them in my pocket. And then the screen is black phones so. and pounds. Like, I feel like you're just like sweating back there. Like, how could you not? It's so hot. You got the meat sweats. <laughs> <laughs> a different kind a different before kind. you even eat it yeah but um, I, but at home i uh I, I i do a little bit of both i either some days i'll do cast iron with butter garlic thyme and just baste the meat or sometimes i'll just light up the wood and you know just 
when I have a little bit more time and, and cook over wood. Does your wife make you cook for her all the time? No, actually. I mean, you kind of can't, huh? You're always at work. Well, she doesn't make me cook. I kind of have to force myself to cook at home. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, she cooks most of the time, actually, all the no time. No way. Oh, yeah. She's she's really good cook. Wow. Yeah, That's yeah. fun for you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to, like, cook all the time. Sometimes it's, like, Thai. Sometimes it's whatever, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she does a really good job. Cool. Um, what's your favorite dish at Carver Steak? My favorite dish? Yeah. I've never asked you this before. Ooh. I know. And like do the whole like sides and then like dessert, the whole thing. Like walk us through like right, what st- you would. I'll start from like. Starters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starters to. to um, for starters, I like the cheesesteak bites. It's one of my favorite. For everyone likes those cheesesteak bites. And by the way, they're like, I'm going to talk about this, but like that is the worst thing I've ever had to shoot in my entire like PR and social media career because it looks like a vagina. <laughs> Why, why would that be the worst thing to shoot? So. I mean, because you have to make it look like, because they literally are like delicious. And people that like, that's all people post about. Because I'm like reposting it and they're like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's guys that are also saying that. I'm like, and I know what it looks like, but yeah. it's just really hard to make it not look like yeah, a woman's body part. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, right? So <laughs> I guess that that's a good way of looking at it. So, um, so yeah. you'd start there. Yeah, I'd start there. Uh, <laughs> salads, I like. I I love wedge salad or anything with like blue cheese. Bacon, Me too. Blue cheese, bacon, and we've got such good wedge salad. Our wedge I mean, salad like fucks. Yeah, it's <laughs> for sure. It's really good. That's one of my. Fa- I eat probably wedge salad almost every day. There's like an egg on it, and then like the thick cut bacon. It's like a, yeah, it's a soft boiled like six minute egg, oh, um, so thick cut smoked. Applewood bacon, mm-hmm. uh, a fried onion ring on top. And yeah. Got blue cheese. Dressing. Some Texas shit right there. That's pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's like the bacon western. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so that salad. But I am glad that you put the um, the burrata on the menu. Because remember, we did it like off menu and now it's on there. Yeah, now it's on there. Um, but it's going to come off soon just based on seasonal season- changes. Yeah, seasonal changes, yeah. So, Womp. Wait, yeah. what's it being replaced with? Uh, I'm not sure yet, but okay. we're going to do that next week. <laughs> Great, great, great. Yeah. Okay, so wedge salad, and then what's next? Uh, next, first steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, this for- is what ev- everyone's listening, by the way. And, and also, when people ask, because this annoys the shit out of me, I feel like anyone just living in Vegas, people always reach out, and they're like, where do I eat? And then you tell them where to eat, and they're like, what should I order? And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. So like, I'm just going to just send everybody this podcast, so everyone's listening. Go ahead. No, that's great. Send them. Send away. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, when I we have such a diverse uh, steak option, mm-hmm. and I did that purposely just because they're all kind of my favorite, right? Uh, we fair. have three different types of wagyu. We have the Australian, American, oh, and the Japanese A five, right? Yeah. Um, if I had to, and we'll start there. But if I had to choose from the wagyu selection, um, I would go with the F one, the Australian wagyu. That's um, the one that we recorded in the back, right? That is the strip loin. I'm not. It was like a huge chunk. No, that was, that's the A5. That's the okay. Japanese. Because that was like probably the best steak I've ever had in my entire life. Really? Yeah. See, for me, I, I, I can appreciate it and I'll eat it, but it, I can only take a couple bites. It's just so rich and fatty. Totally. Um, for me, I like the F1 because it's 50-50. It's a mix between, obviously, you know, Japanese uh, bull and Australian, you know, female cow. Um, and it's really good. 12 ounces. You get eat the whole thing where... A5 is... You just have a few bites. A few bites and it's just... It's so fatty, right? That's the one that got like... I think it had like 30,000 views on TikTok. 
when you were walking people through like because remember it was like melting because like the fat was like oh, melting because yes. it was yeah, getting yeah. kind of hot it was, it, just from your and, and that's the thing is like just from your hands you'll start to make it, it was, sweat melt whatever yeah. <laughs> just just from the hands just from the hands it starts <laughs> so that's how it happens um <clears throat> so back to the steak <laughs> back to the steak my favorite steak though on the menu is the rib cap i love the rib cap okay um, i don't think i've had that one yet it's the it's uh Snake River Farms American Wagyu rib cap. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of my favorite steaks. Can you before because the rib cap is not Wagyu? Why? And this is like so interesting. And you and Nicole Brisson were talking about this on Al Mancini's podcast, and I could have listened to this for like an hour. You guys were talking about like what makes a steak considered like Wagyu, and it's like what they feed the cows, right? Yeah, it's it's the breed of the cow. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wagyu, you know, you have to. The genes have to come from a, a Wagyu bull. Mm-hmm. Um, start with that. You know, like if you say Australian Wagyu <clears throat> or American Wagyu, mm-hmm. it's it's the bull, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's gotta it's it's gotta be a, a Wagyu bull. Got it. Um, and sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me. It's all good. We'll cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what do they feed them? That was like the well, interesting every, part. I couldn't believe well, every, it. Every, every, it depends on where you're getting it from. Um, but everyone is different. Some people start on, you know, grass and finish on grain or oats or corn or, you know. It, it's, or it, it's, beer, though. Or beer. That's I, the one. I was like, what? And then when, like, I but feel I don't like. I not necessarily think they do that anymore. Um, and it's just the, a bunch of drunk cows walking around yeah, the field just and, living their best life. Yeah, I mean. I mean, if if I was gonna die and come back, I'd come back as a drunk cow, <laughs> a drunk cow. You heard it here, guys. Chef Ontiveros is gonna be reincarnated as a as wagyu, a, as a wagyu bull, <laughs> a, a drunken wagyu bull. But I just thought that was so crazy. And then, like, just put me. In I Texas. feel like when you eat, same. <laughs> I feel like when you eat it, you can taste it though. What the beer? Like what they eat? Like you're like saying oats or corn or whatever. Like. Mm-hmm. I can't. Maybe I'm just making that up, but I feel like I can like taste what they ate, which is like kind of spooky. No, I mean, I which is, I mean, I think I think it's important that you are able to to get some of those notes, right? It's like it's like drinking wine, um, and you're like, oh, the terroir, it tastes like this, or I get hints of blackberry, cherry, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like meat is kind of the same, you, you know. If and I've done a lot of meat tastings, you know, side by side, and you know, you'd be surprised if you take 10 New York strips from 10 different bulls or, t- or you know, 10 different um, farms. Mm-hmm. Every single one is going to taste different, even so though it's weird. still in New York. And even though it's in America or whatever the case may be, it's yep. it just how they're raised, how they're treated, what they're fed, how they're started, how they're finished. Mm-hmm. It, it all, you know, where they're from. Yeah. Um, it all it all takes if they had nice farmers or mean farmers, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> that was our wagyu sidebar. Yeah. And then, so you would do rib cap though. You said. Yeah, I would do the rib cap with um, onion rings. Okay. <laughs> Big surprise. Beer, beer, beer battered onion rings. Yeah. Um, and honestly, just a nice like grilled asparagus. That's just simple. That's your jam. Yeah, that's just simple i'm so surprised about those sides and actually like so we when we were waiting for gronk to arrive for two hours um and we were eating at the at that sidebar i feel like the carver steak mashed potatoes are the only ones that i can eat without making me they make me gag <laughs> like mashed potatoes 
<laughs> just do in general but those like because you know what i'm saying when like, there's like chunks in it or whatever that like totally freaks me out oh yeah well we don't do mashed potato we do palm puree oh yes palm puree it's palm puree so we don't <laughs> what's do the potato. difference well it's a puree you just like you said mashed potatoes like that's what you're getting uh-huh. is like chunky. palm puree is, is is it's you pureed the potatoes uh, yeah it's it's a puree of potato mm-hmm okay so, Okay, so everyone, that's what you order when you go to Carver Steak. Don't ask me ever again. Yeah. That's Chef Daniel's order. No, rib cap, or if you're going to go dry age, I would just go with the uh, Flannery Beef Kansas City. Yeah, that's so, the one that we got too. Yeah, so freaking good. That one is really tasty. Steph you know? said that was like her yeah. favorite steak that she yeah, ever had. Yeah, Katie and the, guy, or the, the people up in Flannery, they, they do a really good job. Cool. So. Um, okay, let's talk. Wait, go back to, and then we just totally cut off to you when you were talking about. Um, so you worked for Thomas Keller at Bouchon first. And then what, so you were just like interning under him or? Yeah. So when I moved here in, in my car, I, so here's a, here's a longer story. No way. Um, I showed up to the Venetian mm-hmm. in my, with my tools and I said, I'm here for, uh, an interview. They're like, did you have an appointment? I said, no, but I just literally drove in. I just got here about an hour ago, uh, from Texas and I want to work. You know, so then they said, okay, come back. So I wound up working that day, mm-hmm. like what they call a stage, right? Which is you're basically like a trial. Like you're going to work and see if they like you. So if they, they like just it. like took, took you. Yeah. And what? I basically worked almost eight to 10 hours, mm-hmm. you know, unpaid. Just for me, that was educational, right? I'm like, oh, cool. I'm here. Wow. Like I'm in Vegas, blah, 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 whatever. Cool. Um, and then at the end of the shift, they're like, okay, well, we're going to offer you a job. So what would you do? Like, would you recommend that for other people? Like, would like, what would you do if somebody just walked into the Carver Steak and they're like, I want to work? Absolutely. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. But, you know, and things change, you know, from then until now. I mean, you know, before it used to be a thing where you go in and you stage, right? You, mm-hmm. you basically are working for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but things change. People are like, I'm not working for free. You I, know? But and it, I, I honestly can't stand that. Like when I first... I mean, before, when I graduated college, I had three internships under my belt before I even like got out into the real world. And so I got hired like immediately, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, and, but again, those were all unpaid internships and you're basically like, you're learning from them. So there's a value that I got out of it. And now like, you know, my company's 10 years old and I'm not saying it's all because I had internships, but I do feel like it's the willingness to like roll your sleeve up, sleeves up and go to work. Exactly. And so there's people here that, that aren't, you know, and now there's like, like you said, there's like laws where you can't really do that. Right. Like, I have to but it's, and, it, and it's, it's terrible though, because I mean, I see both sides of the coin, but to me, I'm like, if you, if, I want someone who's going to grind and I want you to prove to me that you can, you can grind. Correct. You know? and, and for me, it was like, you know, if, if you don't know if this is what you want to do until you get in there and do the job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that was, like you said, a learning experience. And, you know, I think, I think they need to bring that back. You totally. Know, because, you know, you can't necessarily hire somebody and expect them to work out, you know, where when you stage, you can, you can see in a matter of a couple hours if this, you know, if it's going to work out for both parties. So. And, and you think that's changed because of like labor laws? I think so. Yeah. And Annoying. People, yeah. So, <laughs> It's the government just stay out of our offices and kitchens. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, so then that was Thomas Keller, and how long were you there for? Um, at Bouchon. Where is Bouchon? At the Venetian. Got it. Um, 
So are y'all still like homies? I just asked so many questions at once, but no. Well, I still talk to a lot of them over there. A lot of the sh- not only Thomas, but I have a really good relationship with a lot of those guys that, that work for Thomas uh, cool. still. And you know, obviously, uh, when Thomas is in town, you know, I'll try to see him every now and then. Cool. Because um, he was a big part of who I am today and mentor. Um, but there is a lot of other chefs that work at Bouchon or worked have worked with at Bouchon. Mm-hmm that um that helped me through through the years so cool and then what was after that after bouchon mm-hmm. um after bouchon was uh michael mina That's do people get like upset when you leave and go somewhere else no or are they like good for you you've earned it no i think i think in the in, just like anything um you know as long as you're you you give a proper notice and you do what's right for the business and you leave on good terms um and obviously if you're leaving for better opportunities i mean you can't be mad at somebody for that so you left thomas keller what was like your position there when i the first time well here's a couple things i had left and then came back left came back oh damn yeah but it was just just due to different circumstances (laughs) it's not like me with my ex-boyfriend it's pretty much what it happened so (laughs) okay so um but anyways, um, when I left Bouchon, I was a executive sous chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to Micomina, obviously, you know, uh, went over there as a sous chef, um, worked there for a couple of years. And after that, I, this was at MGM, Mike Knob Hill at the MGM, which mm-hmm. is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to work at David Myers at Comsa at mm-hmm. the Cosmopolitan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Comstall's not there anymore either. No. Wow. Yeah, we're in a winning streak here. <laughs> it's like after you left, the whole place just like went to yeah. shit. No, no, no. A lot of these places are just due to contract and, you know, whatever. Anyways, yep. after that, then that's when I went to Robichon. Um I was going to say like, because wait, and then, because <laughs> then at the Palms, it's that one's not there anymore either. But no, it's we there. haven't gotten there no, yet. No, Palms is there. Well, but T-Bones? Oh, T-Bones uh, is at Red Rock. T- T-Bones is at Red Rock. It's Scotch you were Scotch 80. Yeah, I forgot. They're back. Still, yeah, it's they're back. back. It's back. Okay. Not the same. I'm not there, but it's, it's back. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, didn't... Um, who's the chef at Scotch 80? Right now? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, because... What's his name left? I'm trying to think of the guy's name, and I can't think of it. At Scotch 80. After you, I guess. Nope. Okay. I don't know. We'll come back. Yeah. Come back to that. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. So after, after David, or, you know, working at Kamsa, I went to Robuchon. And then after that, we went, or I went to um, Scotch 80. Mm-hmm. And the whole world went to shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and my then, God. COVID. Then, yeah. What a disaster. And they, and so like for people who don't live in Vegas and are listening, like they redid the Palms. I can't remember how much money they spent billions right like uh, redoing the palms yeah it was like 400 something <laughs> it was a lot and then COVID happened and like the entire strip shut down and everyone lost their jobs and like the other thing I mean I guess I can't speak to this because I didn't live anywhere else besides Vegas like when COVID happened and like the lockdown and everything shut down but I feel like our city got hit the hardest because there's so many people in the hospitality industry here and it's like everyone that lost their job like had to move back to where they were from because they couldn't afford to live here they didn't move in with their family and so we lost a lot of really good people in the hospitality industry we did i mean like you said las vegas is driven by hospitality Mm -hmm. um you know so when that happened everything just kind of crumbled you know yep um but then when we reopened and people because remember there was like 
all those Groupon deals and stuff because we were trying to like drive tourism back into the city because yeah, there's room, not a lot of people. Were like twenty dollars. Totally. Night, so like there's the like win. shady ass, like sketchy people like all over the strip. Um, oh yeah, that's right. There's that. like stabbings yeah. and shootings and all this crazy crap because like people that you know were getting got these government subsidies and checks which people need um, were like getting a room at when for like under a hundred dollars and you're never going to get that opportunity ever again. So people were wiling out. And then what happened with us is there wasn't enough people in the hospitality industry to take on that demand. And so it was just like, everybody was just getting, you know, murdered in the restaurants. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, it was tough when we opened back up, it was tough to keep staff. It was, you know, and then, you know, everybody's in mass trying to work through, you, you, you know, as you mentioned, it's hot back there, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're having these people, you know, we're all working, it's hot, it's, you know, and then all of a sudden you get one person that gets COVID again, they get sick, and then one person leads to another, to another, next thing you know, you're that, down like 10 cooks. That happened and, during Carver Steaks, right after Carver Steaks um, grand opening in December. Remember, it was like two weeks, it was like the second wave of COVID, and then like, yeah, the kitchen staff just got. Yeah, we 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 went through some ups and downs for sure, um, just like everyone else. Yeah, I'm sure went through. Um, mm-hmm. But we made it through. We have a really good team, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, we 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 made it. So. Yeah, I know we did it. <laughs> we did it. I don't know what we're gonna do for the one year anniversary. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I know we're, we're we've been talking about it, um, but uh, I think we're definitely gonna have some sort of party party again. For sure. Yeah. Yay. We need, to. <laughs> no. we need to. I mean, to me, it's like every weekend or every week that I'm like in Carver Steak, it feels like a party. So, Well, as it should be. I mean, that's the best place to hang out. Totally. Right? I know. That's why you can find me at the bar. Yeah. Cocktail, steak. <laughs> yep. It's I good. heard the chef is okay there. <laughs> yeah. That's what, and I'm like, I, have you told your wife about this? Like, I'll send you screenshots and stuff and people are like, that guy is so sexy or whatever. I'm like, stop. He has a wife and two kids. Like, stop. Oh, yeah. I tell her all the time. I'm like, look, Megan just sent me this or Megan just sent me that. You know, and she's, is she supportive or is she like, what the fuck? No, she's she's super awesome. She's good. I, I tell you, she, she's like, we both, we're, we're good. You're like supportive for well, yeah, each other. I mean, we look at the end of the day, like. I got to like let her know the next time I'm going to be sitting up at the bar by myself so she can come like join you sh- oh my get God. a babysitter Just, so don't, we can don't give her don't give her tequila so don't give her well tequila. i think that i learned a little lesson about tequila this weekend yeah. which is why i'm like cross-eyed i just like as soon as chef got here i was like i am the most disorganized i've ever been because it's a monday morning and we had such a crazy like i was just out of commission the entire day yesterday and it's because afterward when we went to zook do people like when you are you support like other places? Yeah, like, are they I, like oh the chef from Carver Steaks here? Yeah, I think it's a it, it shows a little bit of respect and you know um, you know the guys over at Zook and and even just in general on property it's nice to ha- to to know that we have you know we can share support from support. other yeah so. <clears throat> He, there we were having a nice night and like winding down and like I think I stayed till the end after Gronk left and then somehow we ran into the photographer that Carlos that took I think that's how Zook happened because you can't catch me in a nightclub like in ever of all eternity mm-hmm. and then so what had happened was 
<laughs> Gronk's friends were going around making people pull off the 1942 bottle and I was basically drinking it like it was Kool-Aid and I was like a five-year-old I don't know yeah. apparently I gulped it down and I just you know Uber is our friend basically absolutely so <laughs> you really I feel like we need to have a partnership with Uber we should. We should. Like spend a lot for, of money Uber. Yeah, for a car, car mistake, you know, where there's like some code that people can enter. Yeah. <laughs> get like a percentage off of rides because, you know, Francesco's cocktails are delicious. They just go down like water. Oh, yeah. That, and that's dangerous, right? Like, exactly. Yeah, he does such a good job with all the cocktails and they're just well balanced. And but that's what I feel like Sean Christie made the dream team. And like, I do PR and social for a lot of restaurants. And I just wouldn't say that just to, to anybody. But it's like, Francesco Lafranconi is, I mean, to me, he's like cocktail royalty in our city. I feel like everybody who's anybody has worked under Francesco at some point. Um, and then, you know, with your repertoire of all these like amazing restaurants that you've worked at, like I feel like the cocktail food and beverage program at Carver is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like Sean, I, I th- this is my first time working with Sean mm-hmm. um, and the company, but, you know, I was excited. I heard a lot of good things and, and you know, I couldn't be happier, like, Mm-hmm. you know where i'm at today like this is this is kind of the dream job for me totally um to work with the dream team you know mm-hmm. sean's just vision and what he stands for yeah like it, i'm totally on board with it and you know everyone else in the company from carver road you know brian bass and yeah um he he has a Steve lot of get master som now oh director of ops for food and beverage like you know just it, there's just a solid group of people there that, yeah that you know you're, Steve, get out, you're, you're either on the train or get off. Like, yeah, we're, we're, we're just going. It's full speed ahead, too. Yeah, it's and so full Steve speed. and Lindsay Geddes are the only two master sommiers to be working on a restaurant floor together, like in the world, I think. Um, and so, for people that don't know Sean Christie, he was like a former Win Nightlife boss. Um, and then he was at Park MGM for a while. And then he, um, during COVID, left and started Carver Road Hospitality. Mm-hmm. Carver Steak was his first concept. Now Flanker's coming up, uh, or Flanker's already in Salt Lake City, but they're coming to Mandalay Bay. Mm-hmm. And he's like on a roll too, and all the stuff that's going mm-hmm. on in New York um, and everything. Are you involved with that at all? No, no, I'm not involved it's with that. It's Civilian Hotel and then Rosevale. Ro- Rosevale, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, you didn't, I was probably going to say interrupted, but you didn't say, say which dessert you would get, and Chef Angela might listen to this. Chef Angela. <laughs> <laughs> um, what dessert I might, honestly, I love ice cream. <laughs> I would just get no. Honestly, I would just get like ten scoops of cookies and cream. What the hell? It's like the most simple. It is, but (laughs) it's ridiculous. Give me ten scoops. You know what I heard? Her little birdie told me that for the fall menu that she did a pumpkin cheesecake. Did you try it? I haven't tried it yet. I saw her working on it. I heard um, it was like bomb, and I'm really upset that I haven't. She's she's working on that. I know she's working on some apple cider donuts and so forth. But yeah, she's she's coming up with some cool stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, tell us what. Tell everybody what you do like outside of work because I feel like that's really like people's Uh different (laughs) I mean I was I was talking about your wrestling and everything but I feel like everyone you know looks at people who are in these positions like you know you're you're the executive chef at Carver State but you also are like there's other disciplines that you have and I feel like that's part of like being a leader and a boss is there's other things that have taught you how to be disciplined so that you're in the position that you're in so Mm -hmm. what do you do outside of work yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it, discipline, um, because that's what it really comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside of work, obviously, I have, you know, I'm married, two kids, um, which require a lot of attention. How old and are they? 
nine. My daughter's nine and my son is seven. Oh my God. So she's older than him. Does yeah. she like protect him or is it the other way around? No, she protects him. Yeah. That's yeah. how I was with my little brother too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my, mama bear kind of. Yeah. My daughter is very smart. Mm-hmm. Very smart. Um, and but... she has a dish that's like heavily influenced by her. <laughs> right. Oh yes. Yeah. The crab cake. The crab cake. The crab cake. Yeah. You did that because of her sand art. Right. Yeah. So the crab cake at Carver Steak, like we, there's a, um, we take the Old Bay seasoning. We have a stencil that's in the shape of a crab and we take the Old Bay seasoning and we sprinkle it over the stencil on the plate. So therefore, obviously you have a crab, you know, shaped stencil. And, and you know what I saw is that after we did that, some other restaurants started doing some similar things. <laughs> yep. I know you won't talk shit, but I will. <laughs> we see you. Okay. We posted it on social first. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so th- I mean, to, to that story, um, you know, I was helping her one day with some homework and I was just going through her basket of like, you know, school supplies or whatever at the house. And I, at the time I was trying to figure out, um, during the menu development of Carver Steak, how could I present a crab cake a little bit different? Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't think of it for the life of me. I was like, man, how do we do this? How do I, you know, I just for weeks. And one day I was just, like I said, helping her out and I saw this stencil of a crab. So, no I, way. so I said, Hey, what is, is this yours? She's like, Oh yeah. I was like, what if I do this? And she's like, Oh, you should do this for your stent or uh, for your crab cake. Cause she knew that I had been trying to come up, come with, up something. with something. She's like, Oh, maybe you could use this for your crab cake. And I was like, Oh, you know what? You're right. That's so cool. So that's kind of how that dish. Has she eaten at Carver steak before? Like, have you brought your kids into Carver steak? Yeah. You have. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're God forbid. I'd like spoiled yeah Un- unfortunately it's like that's part of it though it, it, it and it is you know as they should be as it should be, you know uh, they should know what good food is right? and what fine dining is my and my dad's the same way we would like go to there was a steakhouse in houston that was like if we he had to go to business meetings and he had us like he brought us with him mm-hmm. and so we just like learned that from a very like small age or young age um like what it was like to be in like fancy restaurants and how to behave and like you know yeah. it's cool. i mean you uh you know, we put a tin of caviar in front of my kids and they will crush it. No way. Both of them. They, <laughs> that could be expensive. Oysters, uh, you know, the shellfish platters. They, they'll, oh, they'll, yeah. They'll eat everything. You Love know? that. I'm like, we're, you know, even just last night, I'm like, hey, what do you guys want to... What do you guys want to do for uh, for dinner tonight? Stop. She was like, I want an she's A5 like, Wagyu. She's, she's <laughs> like, can we go to... Oh, for brunch. I said, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, oh, can we go to Bordeaux and get some caviar and like Because some that's oysters? where their uncle works, right? Yeah, that's where my brother uh-huh. works. Yeah. So I'm like, no. I was like, you know, and they're like, well, let's go to Bouchon then because they kind of have the same thing. Stop. And I'm like, guys, they know. can we just go to like down the street? Basically, if you want to know where to eat, ask Chef Daniel's kids. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> They'll yeah. tell you. If you want to know how it tastes, ask them too because then. <laughs> so that's so crazy. Okay. So back to what you do outside of work. Uh, back to when I do. So again, you know, two kids, wife. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously in the mornings, get, get the kids ready, drop them off at school. Um, and then answer some emails, do a little bit of work Mm -hmm. and then, you know, uh, go work out, uh, try to get that in before I actually go to work. Yep. Um, I try to go four or five days a week. To, uh, to, to what? Jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. But have you so. always done that? You've always done jiu-jitsu. That's like the hardest word ever to say. Jiu-jitsu. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, but have you always done that? And then you just... Yeah. I mean, I've always done it. Um, I took some time. I took years off though. Once... Because I was trying to work on obviously my career, what I was doing. So mm-hmm. um, 
but um it's like it's crazy going back to things because i feel like as when people become adults and this sounds weird to like say out loud but when you're a kid you do things that like make you happy mm-hmm. you know and then when you're older not that like you know you cooking or like me doing pr because i've always loved writing isn't something that like we just got lucky and we we're able to do things that we love doing but also i started getting back i like posted on my instagram does anyone know where I can like go do an adult tumbling class? You know, cause I grew up cheerleading and that used to make me really happy. Yeah. And then someone wrote in there like, you do realize we live in like the Cirque capital of the world. And like, there's lots of places where you can go like flip and stuff. And anyway, I got back in a tumbling class. All my skills came right back and it, yeah. it's like a stress reliever for me. It, it is. And that's the only reason I do it. I mean, I grew up wrestling, um, when I was fourth grade, fifth grade, mm-hmm. all the way through for me, it was just an outlet for, it's a stress reliever, you yeah. know, um, and sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. And I think that for me, that's the most humbling thing is like, you know, you learn to win, you learn to lose. Totally. Um, and, and that's what I teach my kids is that winning is the easy part. Mm-hmm. Lo- learning how to lose is the tough part. Right. And know? like losing with like grace sometimes. When Correct. Because you, you could win, you know, you can win, but let's say like wrestling, right? The kids are in wrestling right now. You could win, but wrestle like shit. Am I going to be proud of you? I'll be happy that you won, but I'm, you know, if you wrestled like shit, then I'm not. Do you go through like their like moves with them? Like you record it and you're like. We practice at home. Um, No way. You have like a mat or you're just like out in the backyard? Uh, I have some stuff in the garage, you know, that we practice with. Um, You know, but the most, I I think for wrestling for the kids right now is it's not necessarily about winning um, or losing. It's more about the life lessons that wrestling teaches you on how to be an adult, how to how to be humble um, and calm, disciplined, right? Disciplined. Like I feel like sports really taught me that. And like for a while, just because I obviously like share a lot on Instagram of my life. And I think that that's like one of the things that it, like, I, I was scared to like share some of that stuff. Like you share that stuff on your social media too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like that discipline is what allows us to be disciplined in our like careers. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, so. it's a drive for success. You know, mm-hmm. um, it teaches you a lot about life, you know, not yeah. just about the sport. That's cool that your kids are like following in dad's footsteps too. Yeah. So Before they, you know it, your daughter's just going to be like, well, you know, cooking. while she's you know, there, they do jujitsu as well. Um, so they're doing both. Um, they're actually going to go into competition this week this coming oh, uh, man. fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but both my kids, you know, my daughter, you know, she watched the Olympics just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was watching the women's wrestling mm-hmm. and she saw some of the girls take gold medal. So now she's on this mindset of, I want to be an Olympic gold medalist. Hell yeah. So for, you know, for a nine year old girl to say that and, and girls wrestling has not really been popular yep. just until now. Now girls wrestling is becoming really popular. And I tell you what, man, some of those girls, they'll like whoop, whoop guys. Oh, asses. Yeah, those, <laughs> some of the, in my opinion, some of those girls are tougher than the boys. Yeah. They, they really are mm-hmm. from just even just a mindset, not necessarily, you know, strength wise, but mindset, mm-hmm. I think. And, and it's good. Has having, did having a daughter change you at all? Um, it did. It did. How? Uh, many ways. <laughs> Like made you more protective or like softer because I feel like or all those things. Um, a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, it, it also allowed me to be a little bit more understanding. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. in in certain situations, you know. Um, and I'm like, oh well, let's let's see what we can do. Like, well, let's reevaluate. Let's, Everything's gonna be okay. A little gonna be okay. Like, uh. <laughs> that's well, how I I was too. My dad was super hard on my brother, but like for me, it was like. 
I mean, I was still really disciplined and everything, but I could tell I was like the golden child. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like without even trying, yeah. I didn't have to do anything. My dad just like liked me better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's just sorry a certain... for my brother, Chris, who's listening. I mean, look, you, you, you love your kids the same. Um, ish. Yeah. <laughs> you, you love them, but you love them differently. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that you love one more than the other or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, you love them differently. You have different relationship with them. Yeah. So, and you have to treat it as such. Totally. So tell, I, I was thinking about this before I'm going to say it out loud. And I'm like, cause I always say like, tell people where they can find you. Mm-hmm. So say your Instagram, even though you hardly post on it. I, you can find me at, <laughs> At uh, Chef DML Ontiveros. Okay. And yeah. then basically like people can also just find you on my Instagram also. <laughs> yeah. Just go to, just go to Megan's website. <laughs> he reposts everything. And then also on Carver Steak, uh, you share that content too. And you just yeah. wrote me a message the other day. And you're like, how come you don't tag me anymore? And I was like, I was honestly in a really big hurry. So I reposted it so you could tag. So he does hey, repost lear- Carver lear- Steak I'm, stuff. I'm learning. I'm learning how to do all this. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. No, I know. Thank thanks for giving us our, your time. I know you're busy. Um, And that's a wrap. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks.